Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heat pumps are going mainstream. With tax credits of up to $2,000, the Federal Inflation Reduction Act can make it more affordable than ever to upgrade your HVAC system and lower your energy bills. Now's the time to say goodbye to your old-fashioned fossil fuel-burning system and switch to an all-electric, all-climate heat pump from Mitsubishi Electric. Learn more about Mitsubishi Electric products at PatriotAir.com. Federal income tax credit available to U.S. homeowners only for qualifying heat pump models. Terms and conditions for tax credit are dependent on federal and state laws and regulations and are subject to change. Contact your tax advisor for further requirements and to confirm eligibility for tax credits. Now Fraser. Harry Wilson's had the blocks. Callum Wilson's wasn't. Bournemouth rewarded for an excellent start to the game. And in their battle against relegation, that is another significant moment. Fully justified, fully deserved by Bournemouth. They have started again the bright zone. Good morning and welcome to episode 78 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis. This week we're joined by Tony, or Mr Tiggs to you and me, as we go over yesterday's encounter against Sheffield United in what was billed as another crucial match for the Cherries. Now, if you don't know Tony, then I'd advise you pop over to our YouTube channel and check out our weekly videos with him and ex-cherry striker Tony Funnel back from, what was it, 1981 to 83. Scored a number of goals from AFC Bournemouth, including some which got us promoted at the time. And he gives his predictions on the Premier League matches this weekend. Sadly... He got the Cherry Sheffield United one wrong. But yeah, Tony also features regularly on our post-match interviews too. So coming up, we take a deep breath and we go over the events at Bramall Lane as myself and Tony get our teeth stuck into what it was a very windswept clash up north. Also coming up, whilst it's a long time away, we'll also be looking forward to our next encounter against Burnley. Yes, it's another horrendous trip up north and... Hopefully, we won't be coming home pointless again. But even at this early stage, we'll look ahead to another big clash against Eddie Howe's former side. As well as this, I caught up with Louise Clark as we chat all things AFCB. Now, in light of Philip Schofield's news last week, there are a number of people who question those kind of stories. Should they even be news? Well, Louise is part of the Proud Cherries, and we ask her why she thinks it's still important. So... That's all coming up on the show. It's an action-packed one. But first, let's do this. 
So this week it is a topical do you remember question with with a bit of a difference. Uh, We're going to play you a theme tune from a children's based cartoon from the 90s. Well, we say it's topical. You'll see why at the end of the show when we provide you with the answer. However, we're going to give you a tune. We want you to tell us what cartoon it is. Uh, Notably, we've beeped out the name of it. Here we go. Oh, I love it. So what is the cartoon? Yeah, a bit of an odd question. Uh, but if you didn't watch it, um, one of your parents probably did. Or if you're of a certain age, um, maybe your kids did. But stay tuned for the answer. Right then, on to yesterday. Tony is with me shortly. But first, it's time for your fan thoughts from the game. But before all that, a little bit of audio reaction. Sermon's on the ball again, though, now for Bournemouth. It's a good spell for them. Intelligent play by Harry Wilson. Here's Ryan Fraser, and Harry Wilson, again, smashed in by Karen Wilson. Well, it's the perfect start for Bournemouth. One Wilson denied, the other Wilson capitalises. Sheffield United nil, Bournemouth won. In goes another Sheffield United corner, in towards Berger. Ramsdale couldn't quite get there, Stevens belts it back in, off the line and in! Billy Sharp! It's another one to add to the tally! For the veteran Dilly Sharp, who scored against Bournemouth on the opening day, and he scores against them in the Premier League again, right on the stroke of half time. Sheffield United won, Bournemouth won. Here's Moussa for Sheffield United. Lundstrom! Is that the winner? John Lundstrom off the Sheffield United bench, and he might just have picked up all three points up in the Premier League. Sheffield United 2, Bournemouth 1. Hi there, uh, Kirk here, a season tick holder in the North Stand. I'm really optimistic today that we could uh, get a draw at Sheffield United, which would have been positive. Um, with the team selection, I was pretty much content. Um, Francis, I believe, deserved to keep his place after his performance he had against Villa. Um, missing Lerma was obviously going to be the key position, and I think it was about right to play Sermon in there to give us that defence-minded um, structure that allowed Philip Billing and Goslin to be a little bit more versatile. Um, it was good to see that the first quarter of the game we performed like we have at the end after 30 minutes against Brighton and the first half against Aston Villa. And to obviously take the lead um, was really positive. Um, unfortunately, falling asleep uh, right before half time and a poor goalkeeping error um, allowed them to obviously get draw level and give them the impetus Um, but I ain't going to blame Ramsdale for any of that because I think he has been one of our best players this season. I was hoping to come out the traps in the second half, regroup and 
in their minimum finish with a draw but as the game went on you just felt like the goal was coming unfortunately before they scored I felt Fraser's chance was an excellent chance and it was almost a shame that he feel he needed to hit it so hard and more of a confidence if he was more in confidence I feel he could have probably have placed that instead of hitting it with power um, they obviously got the goal and unfortunately we walk away without any points um, which now I think puts us on pressure that we definitely need to go and win at Burnley um, but we'll keep positive um, I think for me Steve Cook probably needs to come back into this team um, somewhere along the line but it has been a massive improvement and the players are seeming to put some fight in now so um, we'll keep keep going uh, look forward to the next game and hopefully we can get a result of Burnley keep up the great work on the podcast cheers well, today felt like two steps forward and then one massive step back. I'm thoroughly uh, hacked off after today's game. If you stop playing football and concede space and watch the opposition play, eventually uh, you'll pay the penalty. And today we did. We played the last 60 minutes like we were 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go. We were excellent for the first half an hour, which made it even more frustrating. Uh, three in the middle worked hard. Uh, they pressed in groups. They were ambitious with the ball. Um, Andrew Sermon, for the first half an hour, I thought was excellent. He's not a popular player at the club, but I thought he had he had a generally a, a very good first half. There was a real good tempo to what we were doing. Um, Callum Wilson held the ball up well and was a real handful, and that's been a feature of the last few games, actually, his return to form. And his eventual goal was well-deserved. Um, Interesting at the time, when we were 1-0 up, we should have scored immediately after that and we actually made a mess of two good situations and I was concerned at the time it might cost us and it did. As the half wore on, we got deeper and deeper, as we tend to do for some reason and uh, despite some great defending from Ake and Francis, I think many of us could see that the equaliser was coming and sure enough it did. The way we played at the end of the half largely carried on into the second half although with a little bit more composure in the odd situation we created we may have nicked a point which probably would have been undeserved over the game I just hope this doesn't cost us at, at the end of the season I suppose you could say if I'm trying to find a positive it was a better performance than those we witnessed over the turn of the year and we did create some chances on the occasions that uh, Sheffield United gave us the ball um, but it could have been such a different story if we carried on trying to play some football it's so frustrating I thought over the last couple of weeks we got over this passive way of playing and it, which doesn't serve us well uh, and gone back to the more adventurous football that got us here in the first place my feeling is if we're going to get relegated uh, can we please go down fighting rather than sitting and watching the opposition play and hoping it will go, go our way after perhaps nicking a goal our last two wins were largely based on a high press and some direct football we need to go back to that I was at the match again today and uh, front row and uh, they're getting soaked, soaked in between the showers and it was, uh, I thought they almost put up a brilliant performance there. I thought uh, Sheffield United would end up winning but because uh, the way Chris Wilder uh, does the team. Uh, but I think, uh, Eddie, I'm, I'm still proud of what how Eddie Howe uh, does does cope with the Bournemouth team and uh, I just... I have I have faith in him, even if not many other people do. Well, 
Yesterday at Bramall Lane, Cherries went down 2-1 to Sheffield United. The first half showed a lot of promise, but alas, um, we conceded just before half-time. Worst time to do it, and then Sheffield United did what they do, and they ground us down, and then scored midway through. And yeah, unfortunately, 2-1 to Sheffield United. With me is Mr Tiggs in what is your extended podcast debut. Uh, Good to have you here, Tony. How are you? I'm all right. Not too bad. Uh, could be better. Could be better. But hey, yeah. here we go. We'll, we'll talk about that. So um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast that maybe don't know you, can you tell me a little bit about your AFCB supporting history? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I went a few times in the 90s with a with a friend and his dad. Uh, but I think back then I wasn't a, a, a massive massive football fan. And I started uh, getting interested in you know Premier League and I followed uh, followed Arsenal for a while, yeah. and then uh, I think it was about mm, I think about two thousand. Uh, I used to uh, drink in a local pub called the Angel over in Longham, and yeah. uh, the barman at the time said, uh, "Oh, I've got I'm going to the Bournemouth game. Who wants to come?" And, and a bunch of us all went along, and um, I had a brilliant time. And it was the first I think it was the first season in the new Dean Court. Um, we didn't play particularly well. Uh, and yeah, uh, I loved it. Even though we were losing, like almost every game, and you know yeah. that was the team of Chucky and uh, Narada, and we got relegated, and wow. the football league uh, uh, deal with ITV went out the window, and all those players that we had oh, all yeah. lost, and it was you know an exciting but sad time. Uh, then we had the Millennium Stadium, and so that's kind of where my my Bournemouth roots come from, um, mm. and just followed ever since, really. Yes, it's funny you mentioned the Angel. I actually went on my first date at the Angel when I was 16 or 17 and I had my first mobile phone. I had a part-time job at the Echo. Um, not, you know, not writing. I was uh, in the newspaper sales department. I wasn't a paper boy, but I was doing some promotional stuff for them. And I managed to get enough m- money together for my first Motorola mobile phone. I met this girl and texted her, went for a drink at the Angel, rang back the next day. No communication ever again. She didn't like me, Tony. What was she thinking? I mean, she must be thinking. She must be kicking herself now, Sam. I bet. I bet <laughs> she hasn't she... got her own podcast. Yeah, exactly. Hey? Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, not not a good time at that age. Um, certainly, you know, through the bad times from AC Bournemouth, also, you know, not great. But we find ourselves in the Premier League, but for the first time, with a survival battle that we're going through, and today was billed as. Uh, you know, it was another must-win match, really, against Sheffield United. And there was a part of it yesterday where Bournemouth fans were thinking, is this game even going to be on? Because the conditions were, looked absolutely dreadful, didn't they? Yeah, they were awful. Um, and even down here, it was awful. So, uh, yeah. And the, the fact that the game just down the road, that got called off. So mm. what does that tell you? That's very unusual. Yeah, that's right. Um, as Paul Kenwood said uh, on a private chat, um, it's... It was never going to be called off by the looks of it. There was a lot of um, pressure from you know, BT to have it on their only televised game. I think the only excuse that they could have called it off is maybe finding a fake bomb. Um, but, you know, Sheffield United, a decent club, they wouldn't make those kind of mistakes, would they? But um, we were wondering whether players like Lise Mousset would get blown over in the wind and also Stanislas for that matter as well. But it was a um, slightly tweaked team for AC Bournemouth. It was um, exactly the same, barring Sermon for Lerma. Did that surprise you at all? Or no, I, I, it, I, right? it wasn't very surprising, I think. Um, Maybe surprising that it was Sermon. I mean, we... We thought they might keep Eddie might keep the same shape. It's worked so well. 
two games now it's worked well the third game would make sense don't change what is already working um yeah lewis cook though maybe out in the cold a bit there that's quite interesting and it's funny when you look at the substitutions that he actually made in, in hindsight he just didn't think that lewis cook um you know had any part to play in it and it's quite it's quite interesting really the reasons why jeff on the podcast last week and also richard who who sent in a message said that um you know there there must be some kind of reasons why we leave our, such our creative player but he didn't have a, that great a, uh, performance recently when he did have a full game for us and i also thought maybe the conditions might play a part as well because lewis cook is famed for doing those long high balls over the top and the weather conditions maybe didn't suit that sermon's known for his low passing quick slick along the turf so maybe that was another one of the reasons but to his credit in the first 20 minutes i think sermon did quite well but afc bournemouth as a whole during the first sort of 2025 20, actually were you know were exceptional weren't they yeah, and I think a lot of it's to do with the press. I mean, we were pressing them, just like we have the other teams when we've won games recently, pressing them from the off. Um, and that was, you know, really good. It showed so much fire in our belly to the mm. point, I think, that even Jason Tindall was getting a ticking off from the referee. We had so much fire in our belly, <laughs> yeah. which is quite interesting. Yeah, it was. And I thought most of the good things happened through Ryan Fraser, who seemed to be getting a lot of space down the left. And he's not had that for a long time because there always seems to be a defender right in front of him. But he he, he almost seemed to have free reign down that left-hand side. And he created one of the first major chances on, on six minutes where he, he, um, he put a ball in for Harry Wilson, I think. But he kind of um, tried to guide it with his head, Harry Wilson, to the far corner, but or, but actually took too much off it. And in the end, it just trickled wide for a goal kick. Um, but it just showed his intent as well. And then he was on the scene again a bit later on. Good work from Dan Gosling. Um, it was Fraser who whipped in a free kick and it, it got a touch. Um and it was Callum Wilson, I think, who, who kind of swivelled at the angle. And it was a high shot. I mean, the ball was quite high, really, and couldn't really get enough on it. And it ended up going wide. But all signs early on were actually pretty good. And Sheffield United didn't, you know, I thought they would maybe start really strongly, but didn't seem to be the case, did it? Yeah, I think we, we caught them on the, on the back foot. We were on the front foot there, on the back foot. And it was really interesting for me to see uh, Fraser giving both Wilsons chances uh, as they sort of both went either side of him at points um so that that was really exciting he definitely was our creative spark um i notice as a you know as a fan tony like you must be wrong because you're calling him fraser whereas professional footballer owen hargreaves called called him fraser throughout the whole of the match <laughs> what are these guys on uh i don't know green eggs and ham that's a fraser joke by the way. <laughs> yeah it's not um i mean i know that a lot of media personalities slip up over Stanislas, but I mean, I don't know where he's getting that eye in Fraser because, um, well, you know, maybe there is an eye in Fraser in terms of his uh, his contract negotiations. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I thought I thought Fraser did really well, and I thought Sermon pulled the strings. Callum Wilson looked a bit more lively, and alas, all those were involved in our first goal, and it was it was really well worked, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really well worked. The, the way the, the three of them combined together uh, and, you know, Wilson did what Wilson does best. I'm talking about Callum Wilson. Uh, yeah. After being provided by Harry Wilson, uh, it, was yeah. A, yeah, it was a great goal and a great lift. And you could immediately see that all that hard work was paying off. And it looked like from that point on, we were going to really get at them. Mm, yeah, it reminded me of the... It reminded me of the Newcastle first half where we were so good in possession, uh, spreading the ball wide. We were good with our feet. Um, but there were, starting as the game progressed, and like even moments after that goal, I think it was Fraser that teed up 
Philip Billing, he sort of waited on the ball, Callum Wilson and and Billing coming forward. And he just lofted a ball, but Billing, sure he could have gone with his head, like in the second half, very similar chance, and ended up miscuing it completely. And um, I don't know, I just felt, uh, you know, the lack of clinicality at that stage in the first half um, may come back to bite us in the bum. And, you know, as it turned out, um, it pretty did. Um, it pretty much did. And I tell you what, there was a chance only moments after where Billy Sharp, ended up hitting it into the side netting, I think. And that was after Adam Smith, who went down very easy. I don't know if it was a dive or whatever, but the home side came forward. And it that seemed to be the start of this kind of momentum shift, didn't it, in the, second, in the first half, the second part of it, that is. Yeah, it, the game got really kind of scrappy. And there were kind of fouls here, there and everywhere. Um, and Sermon, Andrew Sermon, had some real mad moments in there, that, uh, you know, heart-stopping moments. Um and then we we just kind of seemed to run out of steam, didn't we? As as they kind of built up steam, it was really unusual. Yeah, it was, and um, you know the fans were getting behind. To the to everyone's credit, I think uh, the you know both Sheffield United and Bournemouth, the you know the conditions didn't overly seem to play a part. I think you know before kick off they were obviously horrendous, really bad. But then they sort of eased off a bit. There were you know still some high winds, but I thought the foot. I thought it was a fairly watchable game, to be honest. Um, it ebbed and flowed, and Bournemouth played that brand of football that um, is so exciting to watch. But like in the Newcastle game, the uh, home side it, it gets into it, and in the middle of the sort of part of the game, the game sort of tailed off. Um, I thought originally Sermon and Gosling were sort of dominating. Uh, like the middle of the park, but then it just you know it just did like seem to go to pot and, um, well let's just go straight to what happened just before half time. Billy Sharp once again our nemesis. Yeah, like everywhere we go, he seems to come and haunt us, doesn't he? Um, and you know again we were on the bat foot, and I think it was there six like six corners. So it was their sixth mm. corner, and and yeah. bearing in mind they didn't have anything in that first twenty minutes. That tells you what the the second half of that first half was like uh, and it was a scramble and it just reminded me it was almost a car- I went back and looked it's a carbon copy <laughs> of that yeah. last goal that they scored against us um, yeah. unbelievable yeah you, you know like even before that they had so many chances and it seemed to be a lot of our deflections were being um, we were being plagued by um, you know our clearances hitting other Cherries defenders and it looping up in the air and um, even you know for the goal it was I think it started off with a with a corner that went oh I can't remember maybe it was like the chance before we're doing this literally straight from the game but um, there was a chance where it went over everyone and they picked it up at the far post we almost set up for the first wave of attack but not the second so we were a bit at sixes and sevens and you know they were getting shots away um, sort of fairly easily Ramsdale um, pulled out a couple of saves Nathan Ake was in the right place at the right time. What what Bournemouth players for the first half at least stood out for you as being you know some of the more stronger players? Um, I thought uh, Sermon had a, a good first half, apart from a few mad minutes. Considering he hasn't started for us, I don't know how long. Last, yeah. last year, probably some point. Long time in the Premier League, yeah. Yeah, really long time in the Premier League. Um, Ake was doing his you know his, his job. Um, Francis. He did right, didn't he? I didn't, you know, oh, yeah. you don't, if you don't notice Stephen Francis, you know he's doing a good job. Sorry, Francis, sorry. You know he's doing a yeah. good job. Um, and I mean, Callum. Did it surprise you that he started over Steve Cook again or not, or not really? No, I don't think, I think Eddie's not going to change it unless he has to. I think that's his yeah. thing at the moment. Um, I think he's got a togetherness in the group and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose that togetherness. Um, 
But Callum Wilson, I think for me, he was my standout. Fraser and Callum Wilson, actually, because Callum was running the channels. And when he does that and he holds up the ball, it just allows everyone else to come up and join him. So that, that was good to see. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it was uh, one all at half time. I felt really deflated at that point and almost, you know, the onset of the inevitable. Um, and, you know, the way that they were creating chances... Um, you know, towards the end of that half, even before the goal, I think McBurney had a header, Norwood had a shot which was deflected. Thankfully, Ake uh, got something on it, and it, and it and, you know, from the angle that we were at, I was thinking that's that's going in the other side after Ramsdale committed to the dive to his right, went to his left, but thankfully wide of the post. But um, uh, yeah, in a way, it was a funny old scoreline. You know, maybe fair in some ways, um, but you know, second half, I thought right, this is our chance now playing towards our own fans, um, but started, I thought, fairly fairly poorly. Um, Sheffield United just, just sort of soaked up a lot of possession. Every so often they just pumped a long ball forward and their strikers, to their credit, I thought did, you know, did really well at holding the ball up. And there were a couple of their players that really shone today. Yeah, I think it's almost as though that, that half-time, I don't know what the half-time talk was, but it really felt like we just picked up the beginning of the second half where we left off at the end of the first half um, and, and they had a lot of the ball. Um, Ramsar made a really important save, as you said, I think at the beginning there, didn't he? And then, yeah. um, again, Sermon caught my eye again because he lost his cool uh, yeah. quite early Ooh. on in that second half. Very unlike Andrew, isn't it? Yeah, very unlike it. I like the way you said that then. Very unlike yeah. Andrew, uh, <laughs> yeah. a friend of the show. No, he uh, he had a few niggly moments, didn't he? Um mm in the middle of the midfield he lost his call he, and of all people to to Xavi went for for Wilder and they both got a yellow yeah. card yeah that's right yeah I mean Wilder I can you know I think he's quite easy to provoke a reaction from but Sermon quite interested that he got involved there but I don't know at that point we were we were messaging privately and we thought well he is fading Surely this is time for someone like Lewis Cook if you're going to change things. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, right, what do we do? Do we stick or twist at this point? Do we stay with what we've got and, you know, try to grind out uh, this one, all that we've got, or, you know, go for broke? And um, he did make substitutions a bit later on, um, you know, keeping to the same formation. But um, I thought Lewis Cook might have been a good player to get involved because they were dominating that middle, just needed a player to crunch into a few challenges and uh, win the ball back and show him who's boss. But we didn't really have that. Um, I thought we we did manufacture a good chance. It was Nathan Ake, actually, on 60 minutes. Very similar chance to Callum with the way he took it, facing away from goal and chested it down. It was after um, Rico got that slap to the face. And I don't know how loud your TV was, but it sounded so loud. The microphone yeah. pitch, uh, pitch sound effects captured his uh, his kind of... Yeah, he, he sounded like he was in agony, but you look back, it was a, a brush to the face. Wasn't it? Yeah, there, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of this... Um, Billing did it a few times as well. Just a little touch and he went down and he sort of rolled about a little bit. And I, and I get it. I, I, I completely get it. And every team in the Premier League does it. Um, yeah. But there were moments today where one of our players did it. Smith did it as well at one point. And mm. you could see that actually if that player was up on the field and they were running, they would be part of this attack that we were trying to form. Yeah. And that, it just it was so frustrating to see that. Um, but you understand why it happens, I guess. Now, I think at this point, um, around about that time, is when we started playing a little bit deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper. And Fraser, for all of his spark earlier on, just started to go out a little bit and find it mm. harder. But then he... He did a remarkable thing from nowhere, didn't he? I think uh, he had a, a, a rocket of a shot. Yeah, he did. Um, that was that. That was brilliant. That started off with um, yeah, because at that point I was watching. I was thinking, well, we're not really, 
we're not really attacking with the zip. In the first half, the you know the passes were quick. As you know, Tony Funnel on YouTube a channel used that word zippy, and he said that rather than overplay doing the six or seven passes, there were a number of attacks in the Villa game that only involved three or four passes, and they were quick, they were zippy, they were fast, and they got us going. And I felt as though we kind of waited a little bit in the second half and very laborious on the ball. Um, but it was one of the best chances that we had when F- Philip Billing had it um, and he started the attack, went wide to the right, and it, it culminated with Harry Wilson uh, cutting in and uh, crossing in for Callum, who f- just lays off. Clever little touch to Ryan Fraser. Who, yeah, he rocketed a shot. Good save by Henderson, but I honestly thought that was going in. But that, you know, that, you know, that did show some intent, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And then from that point, Eddie tried to show some intent as well to kind of. He's thinking, you know, we can we can gain a bit of momentum here, and he was trying to bring Josh King on for for quite a period of time, um, mm. and then eventually did get him on, and but taking off uh, Harry Wilson. Um, mm. which I can understand. We sort of wondered maybe because Ryan Fraser was getting deeper and deeper whether it would be him, but it does make sense to take off, I think, uh, Harry Wilson at, t- at that time. Yeah, he's he, he's not done sort of many 90 minutes for Bournemouth. Now, I'll, I'll be interested to see the possession stats. I'm just going on because I've got to say, as the match went on, it felt like Sheffield United just eked more chances and there were many balls over the top. Um, they were getting more shots away. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats now. 16 shots to Bournemouth's 10. Um, six of them on target, only two. Uh, they had twice as many corners as us as well. So, you know, they dominated in every department. Um, they even conceded more fouls as well. Um, but, yeah, it's... um, I found it kind of really frustrating to watch. And there were some weird moments in that game just like you know Rico some of his some of his passes he one of them was smashed with his left foot out of the pitch on the other side and then the other well I don't think he even touched the ground before it went over the goal line it's a uh, it was just the, and he kind of the camera panned in on him and he he was looking at his kind of lower back as if someone pushed him but I mean yeah he he faded out and it was him that got caught out actually where Bulldog got behind him a ball over the top um, and then it was Adam Smith who blocked Mousset, preventing the Blades going 2-1 up. But at that stage, you, f- you just felt like it was coming, didn't you? Oh, completely. And, you know, all credit to Adam Smith, because um, that was a certain goal. I, I, yeah. You know, how he magicked himself there. And you, you're right about um, Rico. It's really interesting, Rico, because he has these amazing games, but he does have these odd moments in games when the ball comes over the top. And Tony Funnell... Hey Tony again. Uh, he he often says to he said to me at the beginning of the season when I was singing Rico's praises he was saying yeah, yeah yeah but if you look at him he does look quite panicked quite often he's not a cool character Rico he doesn't like having to be backtracking or running back um, and I think he really he really did get caught out this time but then I think that was the start of our back line getting caught out quite a bit throughout the game. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, in amongst Sheffield United, it seemed like persistent pressure. We had, we had one opportunity with Billing at the far post, which is very similar, really, to the one just after the Callum Wilson goal, where uh, he opted to, like, stick a leg out rather than get a head on it um, when Fraser put a left foot cross in and miscontrolled it again. It's just so frustrating. Moments later, Sheffield United 2-1. Um, Lundstrom, assisted by Lise Mousset, ugh, um, caught napping in the box, um... Shape went to pot, I think, because uh, Dan Gosling wasn't sort of tracking back, but he had to track back because Frano was pulled out to the right. Um, Ake was marking his man, and it, it was a fairly simple finish. And at that point, I just thought, right, this is it. 
it's I, I couldn't really see us coming back. Even Josh King's introduction, and then what later on with you know Solanke coming on as well, uh, we just didn't seem like the same team, did we? No, the, I mean the, when I looked at that goal. He just kind of strolled through us. It looked so easy. And, you know, there was such a big gap in the middle there. And you could see, as soon as the goal went in, everyone was looking at each other like, oh, what? how did that happen? Mm. Well, we know why it happened. It's because nobody really knew who was picking him up. Um, but, yeah, then we looked panicked. Then we looked like we had urgency, which is, you know, good to see some urgency. We needed it earlier on. But they were just too much and they could hold their shape far better than we could in, in the closing moments. Yeah, and then uh, just a head-in-hands moment when Ake nods wide from Rico great delivery by Rico wasn't it and just couldn't get enough on it he had a number of people around him but couldn't and then yeah 2-1 to Sheffield United and this weekend Tony was the ideal time for Bournemouth to get three points but as it is the sort of collateral damage isn't as bad as it you know could be because other teams could have won and we could have been a lot further down so we're in the same position as we started but it's another match you know, we're running out of matches now to sort of get further and further away. And that was one of the winnable games. We've got Burnley and then we've got a run of qu- quite awful fixtures. Um, it's just fortunate that there are some other clubs like West Ham. You've got like six disgusting matches uh, between now <laughs> yeah. and then. Um, you know, Watford are also, um, you know, could have picked up three points. They didn't. They drew against Brighton, which was in our favour. And Today would just have been ideal to get a point. And there were some people that said, you know, I think it was um, Ashley who submitted a voice clip on the podcast last week, said, you know, if we get two points from Burnley and Sheffield United, I'll be happy with that. Um, But as it is, that sort of now puts the pressure on that game a bit more. And Burnley are always a very difficult team to play. But what are your overall feelings about the position that we're in now? Um, It's not great. Uh, you know, and and even if we'd won today, I'd probably say it still wasn't great because I think when you look at the fixtures, as you rightly said, that we've got you left to play, we've got a lot of really, really tricky ones that we're not expected to win. Now, I'm not saying that we expected to win against Sheffield United, but, you know, the odds are going to be much shorter, aren't they? Um, so, oh, it's not it's not amazing. However, I think we still look today much better than we did in December. Uh, the month that I like to forget. Um, Is that because you hate buying Christmas presents? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like, like I like getting them though. Uh, one yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. I did notice today, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and that's um, Ramsdale's uh, the first goal that went in and his role in that. Mm. And it seems odd, doesn't it? You know, our best player is is getting uh, scrutinised a little bit for some of the yeah. the decisions that he's making. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. We asked for your uh, five-word match reports at full time. If there's any that um, stick out, Tony, stick your hand up, and uh, yeah, we'll um, you know we'll chat over them. But we asked for your five-word match reports, so we'll go through a few of them. But uh, feel free to check out our Twitter for a look at these. Um, Ashley said, "Concede space, and you'll concede." Patrick, cherries sliced by the bl- uh, blades. Paul Kenwood should not have lost that. Um, their substitutions were more effective, uh, said Tommy Heffernan's poodle. Uh, Chris Hubble, not bad. Well played. The ref was good. Chris, five words. Come on, mate, but we'll let you off. It's absolutely fine. Should have kept Lise Mousset, said Craig Beasley. Should we have? <laughs> Tony is in stunned silence there. Uh, I hate not attending games, said Andy Jennings. Uh, yeah, um... Well, judging by the weather, I'm I'm not sure I 
you know, hated not attending today. I um, I consider myself lucky. I'm going to Burnley next weekend, and sorry, next time. So that's uh, going to be a a bit of a trek. Um, hopefully, more fruitful than today's. I mean, the end of the day, the last two games we've won have been at home, and and you know, we all feel. I think I feel certainly that the reason for that is is the atmosphere that we created as fans. Yeah, we're not going to yeah. be able to create that kind of atmosphere on the road. So um, that is a little bit of a worry. Yeah, I agree. Uh, why take wee man off? Said Matthew. Uh, energy required all game, please. Said Steve. Um, also got refrigeration red, saying we really miss Jefferson Lerma. Um, Gavin Meaden, final ball not good enough. Uh, stay on your feet, Smith. Yeah, as we alluded to earlier, Will Pratt's Partridge terrible substitutions cost Cherry's points. Uh, what a long journey home, blah, blah, blah. There, I mean, there's a lot of you, but one thing we're not getting is anything towards Eddie. Um, there was that one tweet there. Um, and I was in an interview on Talk Sport uh, with Max Rushton actually um, earlier on the on the Sunday, and they they asked me about like Eddie Howe. Um, I think it was a little bit lazy in a way because that you know those questions should have been asked like three weeks ago. But um, what do you think of his substitutions today, Tony? Would you would you call it about right? I mean, for instance, Lewis Cook. Are you in the Lewis Cook should play camp? Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I, in Eddie we trust, and I, I still believe that. And if Eddie's not playing him, there's, there's a really good reason why. Um, I thought he made good substitutions today, actually, in terms of I thought the substitutions he made, I could see, could have changed the game. You know, he, he brought on King, who's a different type of player, um, to um, Harry Wilson, and I thought that might give us another outlet alongside Callum. Um, and I could understand why he bought Stanislas on because I think you know Fraser had worked so hard throughout the whole game that he was starting to flag a little bit and he was getting deeper and deeper and deeper and he, I think it just gave us a little bit more urgency. Um, Solanke, well, he, you know, he, he brought him on because we needed an extra man up front because we were chasing the game. So I can understand his substitutions. I think that the thing that people always say and the thing that people always, if they're going to give him any criticism, is, is how late he makes substitutions quite often. But um, I just think that's Eddie Howe. And you know, he's not going to change that. He doesn't like to make early substitutions. He worked on a system, worked with players all week, and he wants to see that come to fruition. And if that means he has to give them a little bit longer on the pitch than we as fans want him to, then, well, that's his prerogative, I guess. Yeah, very true. Um, we'll close by just talking about Sheffield United quickly. Um Impressive, really. Um, well drilled. They dominate. They don't do anything brilliant. Sometimes they revert to the long ball and it can be effective for them. But, you know, they're also not that bad playing through the middle of the park as well. They've been a, a relative brush of brush of fresh air, I was about to say. But you know what I'm trying to say in the Premier League. And now two points below Chelsea in fourth. Um, they were, you know, they were very good today, weren't they? Yeah, and you know, in a way, I'm kind of glad that fixtures out of the way. You know, they they because they are they are very good and they've done it incredibly well this season. The trick for them will be, you know, can they do it again next season? The sort of the pressure upon them will change, and people will start making outlandish uh, suggestions that they could be, you know, you know, a European place. And I think they will fall away a little bit. I just think, you know, that's just the the nature of things. Unfortunately, it wasn't against us but what I also think is they could be the great disruptor for us couldn't they I mean they could be getting us results now going forward you know no one's going to go there and get an easy game so um, hopefully they're playing a few of the other relegation candidate teams um, they can do something for us
So, Tony now is going to go off and compile some notes ahead of our next match, which is against Burnley. Um, yeah, it's a long way away, but still, we're going to do it anyway. Um, as much as Tony and I would love to keep talking about football on this podcast, we're going to take a bit of a break because there are some issues that transcend the sport somewhat. And this week in the news, whilst not a sportsman himself, the announcement from Philip Schofield on Friday about being gay has caused an outpouring of love on social media. But whilst the news overall has been met with a lot of support from many an individual, there are others that think it's perhaps not needed in this day and age. Well, to answer that and a few other questions, I spoke to Louise Clark from Proud Cherries, which is the official LGBT plus supporters group for AFC Bournemouth. And I asked her to tell me a little bit about Proud Cherries and what her role is specifically as well, because I know the group has been established for quite a while now, hasn't it? Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me on the show. I founded Proud Cherries, the official LGBT supporter group for AFC Bournemouth. Um, basically, um, we just want to promote equality within football and make football for everyone. We want everyone to feel welcome um, and get more people attending matches. AFC Bournemouth are absolutely fantastic in working with us and working within equality and diversity, which I think is an amazing asset for the club. Great stuff. Um, I know that Proud Cherries was obviously a, a big part of the Premier League's campaign week earlier in the season, which culminated on that Saturday match against Liverpool. Let's, let's not mention the result, eh, Louise? Um, but how, how did that weekend go and uh, what was the reaction? Yeah, so Liverpool was our dedicated match, which uh, fell in line with the Rainbow Laces campaign. It went amazingly well. The club were really supportive. They're always keen to listen to our ideas and listen to what what we think will work and work together. So we always manage to get uh, new people to attend the match for the first time. They may find it hard to get tickets usually. Uh, we get them to really experience, if, if maybe they've been a little afraid or thought it wasn't for them before, it gives them a chance to attend the match and and enjoy it and, and realise um, that you, you can feel safe and you can enjoy it in a friendly environment, which is testament to AFC Bournemouth because I think, as a rule, we have a brilliant club with some great supporters. Um, also at the match, we, we had our flags um, on the pitch as the players came out, a dedicated uh, fans champion. We really promote the the signage around the stadium, really push the Everyone Together campaign, which if anyone hasn't seen any of that campaign, I urge you to go and have a look. Um, There's some videos. I did one myself. Um, And they're they're quite hard hitting um, and they really get the message across. Um, So as well as the Liverpool match, we're often getting together, putting on events, and it's great because we don't only want to attract the LGBT community, we want to attract fans from all backgrounds um, and, and enjoy these events together and promoting inclusivity. Hmm. So, as I mentioned before, uh, of course, I referenced Philip Schofield's announcement, um, which you know, personally, I thought was brave and courageous. But despite this, um, there have been a lot of people online who suggested that it's 2020. In this day and age, a big thing shouldn't have to be made about coming out. Um, What would your response be to that? Yeah, that's a great question, Sam. Um, It is 2020. And you're right. 
Um, you shouldn't have to be coming out. Um, but unfortunately, um, let's imagine Philip hadn't come out, um, had just gone about his business. Um, uh, I don't want to make assumptions, but further down the line, maybe got a boyfriend. Um, I think the way he would have been treated, uh, the media around that would have been a far, far worse an option, which is very, very sad. Um, and it's the same within football. Um, yeah, there isn't an openly gay footballer. Um, and I think we all have to question ourselves as to, to why that is. And it goes back to society, unfortunately, when people still think that calling people sorry to use the term, but puff or, or or similar or worse words than that and, and write it off as banter, um, it's not acceptable. Um, and it does make people feel uneasy. Um, whether it's meant as banter, it makes that person feel like it is aimed at them and, and that because they, they're different, same love but different, um, makes it come across that it's wrong and it's not wrong. Um, and we need to make sure as a society and as people, we need to make people feel like they can be themselves. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, what's next for Proud Cherries then? I gather the next big event locally will be the Born Free Festival. I think that's around about July. Is it? Yeah. I mean, what's going on for you? Yeah, so uh, Born Free is a big thing coming up. We are working on another event that um, hopefully will be before Born Free, hopefully in the next couple of months. Uh, as soon as I have more details, um, I will get them over to you, Sam. Maybe you could promote that for us. Um, it's something that I think all fans will want to be a part of and come along to. Um, so without giving anything away too early, um, I'll let you know as soon as I have the details confirmed. And then obviously, yeah, we've got Born Free, which is Bournemouth Pride. Um, I'm actually a trustee of Bournemouth Pride. Um, we are moving this year to Merrick Park. It's going to be much bigger, much better. AFC Bournemouth, um, as a rule, are always down there on the family fun night. Um, they always take part in the parade. Um, so Proud Cherries are a big part of that. And if anyone else would like to come and get involved, um, we'd love to have you there. Um, so at the end of the show, I'll make sure that you've got my details. And please get in touch because, honestly, Pride is, is brilliant. Um, the, when the club get involved, it has such a great feel. Um, so the, the more the merrier. Come and join us. Superb. And if anyone wants to find you or get in touch with Proud Cherries, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch is quite simply email us uh, on proudcherries at com. So quite short and sweet to remember. Um, and then we'll get you signed up to the emailing list. Um, if you have any questions, just email me and I'll get straight back to you. And uh, hopefully we get you involved. Brilliant. Well, Louise, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, very short notice, but I thought it was a good a chance to tie in um, a proud cherries. And given that you're so busy on that weekend against Liverpool, we didn't have chance to chat. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, like me, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to Burnley. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Sam. So thanks for having me on. Cheers. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net.
So whilst it's quite a while away and uh, no doubt we'll be bringing you an up-to-date preview on YouTube nearer the time, uh, if you want to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, by the way, it is youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Uh, Mr. Tiggs, Tony, he is rejoined me and uh, we're going to preview the encounter against Burnley, which is on February the 22nd. And uh, well, it's each and every match, Tony, that we seem to be coming up against. It is crucial for the Cherries as they continue to try to pull away from the relegation zone at Turf Moor. Didn't quite happen at Bramble Lane. Hopefully it'll happen there. It's going to be another tough encounter against a side that just seem to seem to get on over us every single time we play them. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fight, isn't it? It's, you know, we know it's going to be. Uh, we know how they can play and how physical they can be. Is Lerma back? Yeah, he will be back for that one. It was only a one... Uh, game suspension. It's a bit weird actually because after the first booking it was two but then the red actually conversely took it down to one but if he gets booked again he gets two. Bad. So I, I don't know how it works. They just I, I, like Mystic Meg plucking numbers out of the air I think I'm not really sure but um, yeah it's um, it'll be good to have him back as that leader not maybe vocally but by example in the middle of the park when it Oh, completely. And uh, it will be crunching in the middle of that park. Um, I think I'm predicting that Lerma will come back, he'll lead us to victory, and then, uh, and then he'll get another yellow card. And does, do we lose him again <laughs> yeah. for another yeah. two yeah. games or something crazy? Just make, it, just make it even harder for us, Jefferson. Um, in terms of the team formation, I mean, Burnley are always very rigid, usually sort of 4-4-2. Sometimes they just have the one man up front. But um, obviously, Josh King um, will have another couple of weeks to get his fitness fully back. Um, obviously, he's always a threat when he's on the pitch. Dynamic, quick, powerful. Wondering whether you know Eddie could maybe shoehorn him into the side somehow, either in a four-five-one or perhaps going back to the old four-four-two that we know and sometimes love. Yeah, I, I think there's a really good shout here for a formation change back to the four-four-two. Mm. There were points in the game today against Sheffield United where Sheffield United were bypassing us completely yeah. our midfield and considering we've got three of our players in there who you know the ball was going over the top of them exactly I think that's where they d- did really well just bypass it completely now Burnley we know Burnley and we know that Burnley are likely to play a, a, in a similar way mm-hmm. um, you know that they could try and nullify our midfield through the way that they play mm-hmm. uh, and getting the ball up early so maybe a four four two might be a way forward because I don't think we're going to be able to have the same impact with a midfield three that we have been able to against Brighton and against Villa. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Um, And who knows what's going to happen between now and then. So as I say, we'll update a a preview on YouTube uh, sort of later on. Um, Obviously no podcast next week, not much to talk about. Burnley travel to Southampton uh, next weekend. So um, that's a match. I mean, Burnley in the league at the moment, they are 11th on 31. Southampton also on 31 as well. So it's it's a good chance for one of those two sides to get into the top 10. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's a lunchtime kickoff on B. Sport, I think. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just every match is getting more and more pivotal. And I just wanted one of these matches to sort of take the pressure off. It didn't happen against Watford um, and it hasn't happened today. It's, but, you know, thank goodness we got those two wins at home, eh? Mm. Oh, well, if we didn't, then, you know, we'd be written off for sure, wouldn't we? I mean, we'd be worrying about Norwich uh, catching up and overtaking us if we didn't. Um, yeah, it, it's. It is a worry still. It's still a concern. 
there is still lots of games left to play. All I'm kind of hoping is, do you remember at the beginning of the season, you and I had a conversation and we talked about how we weren't able to lift our games against a lot of teams unless yeah. they were yeah. higher up the league than us? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Well, most teams are now higher up the league than us. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a good. That's a good way to look at it, Tony. I love your positivity. Every week you come on, and I'm so glad. <laughs> and yeah, you know, you make some good points there. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough match at this early stage. Um, I won't take this prediction too seriously, Tony, because a lot could happen between now and match day. But you know what? What can you feel in your waters for this one? Ah, oh, I'm just feeling deep now. I am feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that it's gonna be a unbelievable. 4-2 win to Bournemouth. Wow. With the Stanislas, Stanislas getting two. That, well, I would take that all day long. I'm going to go for a less exciting 1-0 to Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Um, I'll take that, Sam. Weirdly, I, I don't overly know how I feel after, after that Sheffield United match, though, because I'm not, I'm not sort of crying into my... Uh, bottle of Estrella like I was uh, the other week. It, it, it's so funny, Tony. I did um I did a YouTube video for um the same old Arsenal podcast, and it was one of these online video ones with full way. I think I think you saw a bit of it, and um yeah, I had a large bottle of Estrella. So you know they do like these kind of obviously a standard size bottles three thirty mil, and then you get these like seven hundred or whatever. And some guy in the YouTube comment said, "Oh my goodness, he must be depressed. He's drinking a bottle of wine <laughs> from the bottle, and it wasn't it." It was a bottle of Estrella, but yeah, hopefully we won't be crying over a beer and we'll be, we'll be coming away with a 1-0 win. But um, how does this affect your week now, Tony, now that we've, uh, we've come away losing 2-1? Uh, oh, do you know what the, the thing is that I hate? It's, it's, it's not the loss. Uh, it's the fact that I've now got how long to wait until, to, until football can lift me out of this again? Uh, and that, that's yeah. the sad thing, I guess. Um, but I, I still think that we, we were playing better football at points than certainly we were previously in this season. Yeah, no, I agree. And that first 30 minutes was, you know, pretty positive, I thought. Um, and also, you know, the matches that, uh, I mean, I don't know when the West Ham-Man City match is going to be rearranged to. So, the, I mean, I know that West Ham's next match is still going to be a tough one. But Burnley, uh, sorry, not Burnley, um, Aston Villa are home to Spurs and they've got a game in hand over us. So you'd hope that Spurs would maybe do a number on Villa so they can't overtake us. Um, I think it'd be, I don't know, I just don't want to get pulled further down into that mire. Um, and it's horrible that we now have to start looking at other fixtures. Uh, yes, it is all in our hands, but we are now looking for teams to do us a favour, which is not its not very nice, is it? No, it's not, it's not very nice. And um, I think... You know, what you said at the beginning of the season, you, you said it and you said, you know, the league position is false and you, you, oh, you yeah. need to look oh, at the yeah. points, not not the position we're in. And I think um, that is going to be key to this because, I, you know, we're out of it, but we're not really out of it. And we're not going to be out of it until we get, you know, f- near enough 40 points. Um, yeah. And that goes for the same for everybody else. And so you look up that league and, you know, all the way up to fifth, um, people could get pulled down into this. Mm. Scary, scary times. Well, hopefully we'll have a good uh, rest and try to not think about football for a bit and do it all again on the 22nd. Tony, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Relatively short notice too. I thought you were brilliant again. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you, buddy. And can I just say one thing? Um, Other brands of beer are available. (laughs) He's a pro. Tony, thanks very much, mate. See you, buddy. 
So, superb to have Tony on. Yeah, Jeff would usually be on the podcast, but due to Hurricane Sierra, Kiera, what's it called? I don't know, Kiora, whatever. Um, unfortunately, he, uh, he was travelling abroad and uh, due to the flight spling being cancelled, he had to get the train instead. So, he was out for the podcast, so Tony stepped in last minute. If you want to follow him on Twitter, by the way, he is at Mr. Underscore Tiggs. So, Tony, thank you very much. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game to commentate on, um, but, you know, we'll go again against Burnley. Now, earlier in the show, do you remember? Do you remember? Of course, we had the question, the cartoon from, I think it was the 90s. It was on Children's ITV. It was American. So they called it soccer rather than football. Um, but what were they called? I'll play the theme tune once more. Here it is. Yes, that's right. They were the Hurricanes. See what I did there? Storm, Hurricane, yeah? I know, I should be paid for this stuff, shouldn't I? Uh, Yeah, so that was the answer. Congratulations if you got it right. Right, we're going to be taking a podcast break next week due to the winter break. Um, There are a few matches in the Premier League that hopefully won't get affected by any storms or such like, so at least there'll be some football to watch. Or why not get yourself down to a non-league match locally as well, because there's plenty going on. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're kind enough, um, you can donate a coffee. Uh, go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee if you appreciate what we do. You don't give us a real coffee. It's just the equivalent price. And um, thanks to everyone who has donated. There have been a couple this week that I've got back to separately. So, yeah, thank you so much. Or if you can't do that, we'd really appreciate a review left on your podcast app too. Why not give us five stars? We'd really appreciate it. Also, subscribe on YouTube because there's more content coming out, including an update from Canford Magna, where the training ground is. We're going to see what's going on there. So I'm going to pop down in the week and find out if any bricks have been laid down. Heads up, I don't think they have. But the ground's been levelled. We'll see what on earth is going on there. Until then, thank you for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Harry Wilson's ever blocked. Callum Wilson's wasn't. Bournemouth rewarded for an excellent start to the game. And in their battle against relegation, that is another significant moment. Fully justified, fully deserved by Bournemouth. They have started again, the Brighton. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.